Welcome to The Dad Presents. Make sure you're following the show wherever you're listening. And wherever you are out in the world, spread that love and liberty. Let's go. Hey, boys and girls and my non-binaries, thanks for checking in today with The Dad Presents. Now, my pronouns are none of your business, and I'm the guy with the crooked nose and the black shirt talking into the microphone. Now, guys, before we get into our great interview today, I want to play a pretty amazing clip here for you. Check it out. My name is Miranda. I use she, her pronouns, and I'm a licensed professional counselor and sex therapist in Erie, Pennsylvania. And today I want to talk about minor attracted persons. And I want to talk about minor attracted persons because they are probably the most vilified population of folks in our culture. And most folks are making incorrect assumptions about them without actually knowing much about them. And those assumptions create harm for an already marginalized population. You may have noticed that I'm using the term minor attracted persons, sometimes abbreviated to MAPS, instead of the more commonly used term pedophile. And I'm doing this because the term pedophile has moved from being a diagnostic label to being a judgmental, hurtful insult that we hurl at people in order to harm them or slander them. I also prefer person-first language that recognizes that any label we might apply to a person is only part of who they are and doesn't represent everything that they are. We are all people first with many different facets or parts of ourselves, and this includes folks who are attracted to minors. Okay, guys, <laughs> that, was, that was something, huh? So let's talk about minor attracted people. What is that? What is that, lady? Oh, I'll tell you what it is. A minor attracted person is a person who wants to fuck your kids. We used to call those people pedophiles and we'd lock them up in prison. But I don't know, man. I guess that was before we found out how many powerful world leaders are into the sport of kid fucking. So now, you know, now in modern society, elites are all using all the tools available to them, the schools, uh, the media, everything to normalize kid fucking. That's happening. We can't close our eyes to it anymore. It's happening. They are normalizing the attraction to children. So thank you, Jeffrey Epstein, for bringing that into our zeitgeist. She, you know, in that, in that clip there, she said the most vilified population amongst us are minor attracted people, that they are the most vilified people. Well, yeah, lady, we don't like it when people try to fuck our kids. We've gotten to the point in society now where even child predators are on their way to becoming a minority group of persecution. Do you see how silly we've gotten? How much sillier does this need to get before y'all push back? We're being ushered into communism. They are pushing us into communism with the economy. They are pushing us into communism with all these social issues. Child fucking and breaking up the nuclear family was one of the first and biggest moves every communist regime has executed on its population in world history, and it's happening here. There's no more denying it. That is happening here. They are trying to break up the nuclear family. That is one of the tenets from Black Lives Matter. That is not conspiracy theory craziness. It was on the Black Lives Matter website for months before they took it down. 
Now, look, the lady in that video, she's not some total nutbag. She's a professional therapist. She's a professional therapist who interacts with children regularly on your tax time. And like I've said a million times, I have nothing against people switching up their genders as adults. I got no problem with it, but I draw the line at child fucking and I draw the line at pushing this garbage on children when 80% of children who are experiencing gender dysphoria as kids, if left alone, turn out to be perfectly fine. Maybe they end up being gay boys. Maybe they end up being butch little girls, but we don't cut off their peepers and we don't try to fuck them. Now, I'm sorry I keep using that word. I've been trying to swear less and I've done a pretty good job of it, but we can't cover up child fucking. Child fucking is child fucking and we got to call it out as it is. We can't use some nice term like minor attracted people. No, call it what it is. All right. Today we have on Stephanie Lundquist Aurora. She's awesome. You're going to love her. She's taking on this fight at our schools. Later this week, we have on Chinese defector, Shi Van Fleet. You guys are going to dig this lady. She's pretty amazing. Uh, she grew up a communist child and she experienced all this stuff firsthand and then she beat it out of there. And now she's warning families all over America that, uh, hey, that stuff is coming here and we got to fight it. Now, look, I'm fully aware that most minor attracted people or pedophiles are victims of pedophilia themselves. They are. That's just a fact. Most, most, most pedophiles were um, molested when they were young because when you molest a little child, it fucks them up. And then they, they exercise that stuff in their adulthood. The, the correct thing to do is not to embrace it and normalize it and let them know that they're acceptable as they are. The correct rea reaction is to condemn the behavior and stop it from happening. You see, you stop the child fucking and then you won't have any more child fucking. If you embrace it, you're going to get a lot of it. You see how that works? All right, let's get into the interview. But first, a word from our sponsors. ExpressVPN.com slash the dad. Look, guys, the FBI and NSA, they're tracking you, man. If you're a parent and you use the word liberty or patriot in your bio on Twitter or whatever, or you talk about it on Facebook, guess what? They're spending money to track your web activity. Last year alone, 4 million Americans were tracked. That data recently came out. 4 million Americans were spied on by the FBI, and they're not going after the lefties. So protect yourself and protect your family with a VPN blocker from expressvpn.com slash the dad. There's just no reason to not do this at this point. You get three free months. If you don't like it by the fourth month, you cancel. Cancel by month four. You never pay for it. So try it out, expressvpn.com slash the dad. Protect yourself, protect your privacy, protect your family. Our second sponsor is zstacklife.com slash the dad. Guys, COVID's still here. Still here. People aren't dying from it, but you don't want to get it. I had it. It's no fun. Flu season's coming back around. Get your body right and ready and healthy. Exercise. Eat right and get all the vitamins you need for a strong immune system in one dose from Z-Stack Life, which was created by the great Dr. Zelenko, who is one of the first brave doctors to stand up and fight against the COVID regime. 
Go to zstacklife.com slash dad, get 15% off, get your body right. Let's get back into the show. Okay, you guys, we are with Stephanie Lundquist Aurora. She's the chapter head from Fairfax County in Virginia for the Independent Women's Network, which fights for independence and liberty for women and fights to protect children in schools. Uh, they fight for you know all those that, that moms love, like their children. A fight they've recently been taking on is what's happening in our schools with the sexualization of children and critical race theory and all that hot garbage. So, Stephanie... I appreciate you joining us today. I appreciate the fight that you are taking on for our kids. Um, how are you doing? Hi, Matt. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm doing okay. Good, good. So tell us what is going on there in Virginia in the schools. It seems like it's, you know, in the past couple of years, there's, there's been some chaos and madness in the school system. Well, it is insane. And we, we're kind of fighting battles on all fronts. Um, my sons were suspended for uh, multiple days this past year for mask violations. Oh, um, God. Yeah. So, and I'm, I'm trying to fight that right now. That's um, uh, Governor Youngkin passed executive order two in January to be implemented. And basically Fairfax County just decided that they were going to ignore it. The, uh, the state law and the constitution don't really apply here in Fairfax County. That's what we're, that's what we're in, in, encountering a lot. Um, so anyways, they suspended my kids for multiple days. Um, I filed a lawsuit with other plaintiffs on it. Um, and we lost. So in the motion to dismiss the, um, the lawyers for the school board said, and I'm, I want to quote this plaintiffs as parents of their minor children enjoy no codified rights to make decisions regarding the health and education of their children. So apparently the 14th Isn't Amendment doesn't wild. Isn't yes. that wild? That seems to become the prevailing talking point that the parents have no rights to make decisions regarding their kids. Like these kids, they're guess what, Stephanie? They're not your kids. They're property of the state. So yeah. you're you're telling me that the governor passed the law, the county ignored the law, and then the courts sided against the governor and the law and the parent and with the school board. And that's, yes, that's it's, justice. It's crazy here. I mean, they, and then, so it, it was, they basically threw out the lawsuit. And meanwhile, the suspensions that my sons have on the record, and they're young. Um, they were in third grade, fifth grade, and seventh grade at the time last year. Um, so now they have these suspensions still sitting on their records that we're, we're trying to get rid of. I'm reaching out to um, different representatives in the state, in the Youngkin administration. I'm hoping to get Miara's involved um, because it's really it's really just not right. It's not just. And they were exercising civil disobedience. They were following the governor's law when it happens. So it, it, it's crazy. That, that burns my ass hairs. It really does. It's ridiculous. So they were they were suspended. OK, so they were suspended for exactly what? Refusing to wear a mask? Yeah. So right before the the um, executive order was implemented, the school board, in all of its wisdom, knew that it was on um, legally tenuous grounds. So they implemented a in the dress code um, a mask inside the dress code, and then they made the dress code a level three infraction if you violated it. So basically, they were suspended on dress code violations. Meanwhile, wow. they weren't enforcing anything else Sneaky. in the dress code. Yeah. So Sneaky. they weren't they weren't suspending kids for wearing beanies in the uh, in the winter their time or their kind of studded necklaces that they're not supposed to wear, I guess, like they, they weren't enforcing any other part of the, the dress code. So the principles were like, when you want to appeal this, we'll, we'll grant your appeal. And um, I was like, all right, well, you know, cool. Cause they felt uncomfortable suspending the kids. 
And then I, I did, I, I appealed and the principals were like, nope. And I think that they're concerned about their jobs, right? So if, if you it, yeah, people. the principals felt uncomfortable suspending the kids, but they suspended the kids. Why, why are they like following threats from, from what, what's happening there? Why are they doing that if they're not comfortable with it? I was told they didn't have any other choice. The orders were coming from the top. So level three infractions are supposed to be, it's supposed to be the principle of the school's discretion, what they do, but there's something entirely different going on here. I mean, it's, it's really symptomatic of what's happening in the rest of the country, isn't it? You've heard about like general Valesky. Um, he can't say anything on Twitter. He just got suspended from his job for, for it. A, a decorated us three-star general, former three-star general. What, what did he get uh, suspended for? Well, um, Jill Biden had tweeted something about oh, women's right. rights were stolen. And um, and he said, I'm glad you figured out what a woman is. And he yeah. he was effectively <laughs> terminated from his position for it. So yeah. you're, you're not allowed to say anything contrary to what, what the ruling party. No, nope. you're, so, yeah, you're really not. And and, you know, I, we've been saying that here for a long time because we've been experiencing it. This this show has been kicked off of YouTube twice. We've had to start new channels. We were wow. permanently suspended from Twitter. We were permanently suspended from Facebook, where we had an audience of like one hundred fifty thousand. So we're very well aware of it. But uh, three years ago, people were saying, well, you're you're spreading misinformation. Now people are waking up that it's not misinformation that's being spread. It's questioning authority, which is something my entire life I've done. I've had a smart mouth. I've gotten in trouble. I'm not going to stop now as a 50 year old man. Um, and to expect teenagers in school to, to just fall in line with nonsense, like the masking did, did this happen at the start of the pandemic or was this like a year in once we already knew the, the masks didn't oh, work? This is this was in January of 2022. So this, this, all was, this was this happening. past January. And it was oh so clear God. that the cotton masks weren't weren't working. So but you'll appreciate this, Matt, um, as somebody who also has some issue with authority. I can relate to kindred spirits completely. But. My sons were really upset. The, there was a circuit court judge who put a stay on the executive order like nine days in, meaning like, okay, we're just going to put a hold on this. It doesn't count right now. So my kids were like, well, okay, they had, they put their mask back on, you know, because the, the judge had said they were following the law. So they went back to school wearing masks that said, this mask is useless. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. It wasn't popular in their school, but I thought yeah. it was hilarious. We went to Disneyland in the summer of, uh, I think it was 21 and you have to wear a mask out, outside of Disneyland out, outside. Okay. So yeah. I got this, uh, gorgeous, uh, sequined mask, you know, it's just rhinestones. So com <laughs> total holes and, and that passed. It's like, you know, that if works. you're going to make me do this, I'm going to make, make some kind of statement. Your children was this, let me ask you this. Was this decision to not wear masks, was this of their own volition? Was this something that you said, hey, I want you to do to make a statement? How did that come about? So I, I know that they face a lot of pressure at school, so I would never tell them to not wear a mask. It was completely their own decision. I said, here's here's what happened. This is the law, and they're young, remember? So um, I was like, you can make your own decision, and if you if you feel uncomfortable because your peers aren't doing this, hey, childhood is difficult. That's fine. But if you decide that you don't want to wear a mask, I'll support you, and I'll you know write and exercise our rights, like the governor says. And all three of my boys are they're tenacious and they're they're brave. So they were like, we're not wearing masks anymore. This is ridiculous. We don't like you know breathing the same air all day, and they give us headaches. Like so, we don't. And I was like, I don't blame you. I wouldn't want to do it either. So it was. Awesome. Um, 
it was their awesome. own decision. So it sounds like you you were a good parent. You gave them the information. You let them have the decision. And your three boys are three little badasses. And they're like, we're not doing it. <laughs> and they were aware of the consequences. All of that, that, those are wins all around. Good for you guys. I, I did the same thing with my kids. My kids elected to wear the masks, uh, which kind of broke my heart a little bit. But I didn't pressure them. I let them wear the masks. I'm not going to, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be that guy. Um, but I'm glad. I'm glad you're. Kids had the nuts to take a stand there, and I hope you win this legal battle because it's there's no other word for it except tyranny. I understand the masking when when this thing started. Um, I work in healthcare. I was as tenacious about COVID as as anybody for the first couple of weeks. I was wiping down groceries. Um, we didn't go anywhere, but it didn't take much more than three four weeks till data started coming out. And if you're at all a logical person or a mathematical person or a scientific person, you look at that data and you say, well, these masks don't work and this disease is not a threat to my family. Um, That's what a logical person does. Uh, People who want to abuse power, ignore that, abuse the power. And then people who are not capable of thinking for themselves. in line with that and that's that's what's dangerous it's annoyed by the, the the kid in school who's always asking questions and and poking the teacher my internet connection is unstable do you see you see that on the screen you froze for a second uh, before all right well we're, we're just keep going and see what happens uh, okay. all right anyway everybody gets annoyed by that that kid the kid who you know pokes and asks questions but without kids like that we're all we're all prisoners to to our our lords and our rulers it's so true. And the, one of our favorite quotes in the house is when, when tyranny becomes law, rebellion becomes duty. And um, my sons all actually have shirts that say that. So this process has really given them a civic education about what it means to be an American, what it means to question laws, what it means to exercise your rights and how you should, even though it's sometimes unpopular. So I'm, I am grateful for that component of it. Matt, I would also like to say, like with the with the pandemic and schools were shut down for a year and a half here, and I think you guys experienced something similar in LA and mm. in a lot of the country. Um, I homeschooled my kids for the year that it was shut down, but then I I put them back in. But um, meanwhile, um, the the test scores here, and I I think in a lot of areas in the country they're just plummeting. So this like the um, the standardized tests for math has gone down 25% from 2019 to 25%. Oh my God. So actually it's, it's in, in 2019, 86% of students in Fairfax County passed at grade level, their math standardized test. And in 2021, it was 61% of students in Fairfax County passed their math test at grade level. Now that's horrifying. So we have a, we have a school board who's implementing just crazy policies and they don't talk at all about the learning loss like they're they're passing things like a bias incident reporting which is they're they're discussing it right now which is basically like an orwellian kind of nightmare you know where it's like did you do this because you do have bias even if it's a perceived bias Mm -hmm. we're going to mark it as thought police and then it's going to be on your record forever that you didn't just get into an argument because you don't like a person it's like you it's perceived that you got into an argument with that person because of their membership to a certain demographic group yeah. Wild. So I, yeah. I mean, yeah, you're, you're my generation and I'm, I'm sure you remember going to school and I remember going to school and I remember this seems like maybe an archaic idea now, 
But when I was a kid, I remember you would go to school and they would teach you shit, <laughs> right? They would teach you shit about math and teach you how to read and, and teach you about the history of the nation. And, and that was interesting. And I, I felt that I benefited from that in some ways. Uh, my mom, my dad were teachers and, you know, spreading knowledge to, to kids all across America. And it was really a nice thing. Now it was the, great. Yeah. It was a distant, it's a distant memory when you would go to school to learn. Right. Right. And now that now they don't seem to care about learning. They don't care about math. They don't care about English. 25% drop in two years. That's not like, you know, if you saw like a 3% drop, you'd, you'd be slightly concerned. And how, can we tweak this? 25% is just, we've stopped educating. They're indoctrination camps at this point. They're just indo- yes. good for you for homeschooling. Uh, out here in California, we fought to get um, school choice on the ballot. It, it failed, unfortunately, because the reality is homeschooling, when you live in a state like California, Virginia is the same, where it, it's expensive. We need we need two salaries coming in to make yeah. ends meet. Um, it's crazy. And I make I make good money. And still, we need my wife to work because inflation is so out of control. The cost of living, it's, oh, it's, it's insane. Right so, yeah. So if you want to take matters into your own hand and educate your kids, almost impossible. It is, you know, and I only did it for the year, actually. So it, they're back. They're subjected to all of this indoctrination stuff now. Um, and I, I don't know what's going to happen. I might end up having to pull them out because I do think that, like, they'll be politically persecuted because of our stance as a family. Mm-hmm. Um, so I might end up having to pull them out anyhow. So we'll we'll see what happens, I guess. I'm just trying to, for the time being, I'm trying to fight from the inside as long as it makes sense. Yes. So, um, and, and I uncovered earlier this so what year. So what other things are you doing to fight from the inside? What do you, what yep. actions are being taken? So um, they passed, uh, it, or they had this teacher training, which is basically like if your child is claiming to be of a different gender, now the teachers and the staff, like the office administrators aren't allowed to tell the parents. So um, I, I got a copy of this, um, uh, somebody I know in, in secret gave me this information uh, on her phone. She was terrified to show me because she didn't want to get fired from her job. The teachers mm-hmm. really have a limitation on their free speech. Um, and so I, um, I exposed, I brought it to a friend of mine who's a reporter. And I said, these are the images I just got of one of the recent teacher um, trainings, which was not made publicly available. We had to actually FOIA to get the, um, the information on the training and they're, they're, they're teaching them. They're trying to, they're complete. It's in complete violation of the 14th amendment. It's like, it doesn't exist here. It's like no parental rights. Like, and and we don't co-parent with the government. None of us do. So, um, that's, that's what's happening. And then whenever my sons, I told my son, you know, if, if it's not school related, if they're trying to tell you that you're this by virtue of your belonging to this demographic group, that's wrong. I want to see the slides. So I, I am constantly emailing them and saying, um, I want to see the slides for this. I heard about what happened in this class today. I would like to see the slides for it. So I'm not necessarily popular for doing that, but I think, it, I think people have to do it. I think people mm-hmm. have to actually pay attention to, you can't just send your kids to school and not pay attention to what they're learning. Now, when you do that, do they share it or do you have to fight to get it? Um, sometimes it depends if it's at the school level. Um, they share it usually. Um, if it's at the um, the school board level, um, like the bias incident reporting that I mentioned earlier, I had to FOIA that. They discuss it in the school board meeting and they are not forthcoming with information. I was like, can you please tell me about the motivation behind this bias incident reporting to stop hate? 
so dumb so dumb <laughs> yeah okay yeah I, I, I hate hate now is like yeah let's not hate that sound on the surface that sounds beautiful let's let's not hate let's love each other you know love your neighbor don't judge judge a person for the contact of their character and not the color of their skin blah 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 all that wonderful yes 100% but hate yep. speech has become any speech that we dislike that's don't like what or it makes is us now. uncomfortable yes well um, yeah go on so one of the other things that's happening in the school that we're trying to fight right now is they're making changes to the family life education curriculum, sex education, and they're trying to, they're being guided by a, a group of people who um, they started uh, the kind of pride community in, in our school. And that's who was basically on the committee advising um, the school board members. And the, the things that they're recommending are, um, a transgender transitioning unit for fourth graders starting in fourth grade so that you can learn about, you know, like tr transitioning if you want, if you're transgender, like what that entails and be, you know, get all of that information in fourth grade. Um, and then also um, they're calling for um, co-ed family life education to make trans students feel more comfortable starting in fourth grade. So, you you know, when they're learning about these very mature topics, they want to have all the boys and the girls together so that people who are unclear about what their gender is or are, are identifying differently. And, the, and I think there's this huge social contagion element going on there about, about that, but um, so that they can all be in one room together so that you know, even if you just say a few kids so that they feel more comfortable and it's it's really at the expense of everyone else's comfort. I mean, you're sacrificing the comfort of the very, very many for the very, very few. Um, these yes. haven't been implemented yet, but that's that's what we're dealing with. Like, and yes. you have to stand up and say, no, this isn't okay. And none of this comes like people are okay with it in the beginning because I think a lot of people are, are misguided or under the innocent assumption that all of this comes from a place of love or a place of caring about people who have issues, but it's not where it's coming from. It's coming from a place of control and, and disruption to society. Um, you know, there's a difference between giving a child some information between that and then telling the child that you might be this thing. And if you are, we're going to keep it a secret and not tell your parents. That's, yes. you know, you're, we have these identity groups. Well, now you're, you're creating an identity gap between parent and child. You're creating a yes. rift there, which is unhealthy for society. Yes. Um, yesterday I had a communist defector on from China and this is what happened in China. They pitted yep. parents and children against each other purposefully. Yep. You, you break up the family unit they're little informants that break way. the country. Yes. And, yeah. and this was part of BLM was to, to, I mean, it, it said in, in their mission statement on their homepage that part of their mission was to destroy the nuclear family. Um, now I understand the idea of wanting to support all kinds of families, you know, gay men can have children and that's a family. Great. Be, let's be inclusive, but to say you want to destroy the nuclear family. Well, that's 90% of the families out there. And what are you really saying? You want to and, destroy America. And the other problem with that is if you stand up and you say, this isn't right. Why, why would you say that? Then also they quickly label you a bigot or mm -hmm. disparage your character on social media. You're not allowed to be like, wait a minute, this is crazy. Like what, what are we talking about here? Yeah. Um, so and that's, that's very that's effective. Shame. It's very yes. effective because yeah. people are good people and people don't want to be thought of as being racist as or bigot. bigoted. 
but right. we need to get to the point. I've gotten to the point now where like, good, call me that. You know what I mean? Like we need to, we need, we need to take that word and make it a, a badge of honor because that it almost is one. If, if you're being called that, unless you really are a bigot and you know, most people on this side of the aisle are not, unless you really are a bigot, you need to take that as a badge of honor, as you are over the target, you're a threat to them and they're coming after you. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so weaponized. You're like, Oh, you just said something. It just seems like you have common sense. You're a bigot. Okay. <laughs> I, suppose, I suppose I am. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Once you, once you try to fight back and argue with them, you've already lost. So right. yeah. Um, so with what's what uh, we just we just had a uh, buck angel on the show he's a he's a trans man he's been a trans man for 30 years he did this long before this was like in the the mainstream i'm out in los angeles i've known trans people for 20 years like the the subject fascinates me and it doesn't bother me i'm not i'm not weird about that stuff but there's a it's weird now in the schools how they are changing everything for this very, very tiny minority of children. And it's having these giant negative impacts, negative impacts on society. My son's girlfriend in school identifies as uh, non-binary. She's 12. Um, all of her friends are non-binary. These are perfectly normy, normal, healthy little girls. And they're confused by all this propaganda. And they're trying to be cool, like 12-year-old girls will try to do. Um, is that happening in, in the schools out there as well? You just froze up for a little bit after you said that um, they identified as non-binary. Yeah. I'm saying that th th there's a lot of that happening in the schools here because little girls yes. are impressionable. They want to yep. be cool. This is hip. Is that, yep. are you seeing a lot of that in the schools there? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the social, I, I mentioned the social contagion element of all of that around here. It's, it's becoming, uh, I think they're being nudged in that direction too. Like, are you, um, if you're a tomboy or you, you want to have your hair short, or you're a little bit more aggressive. Well, maybe it's actually because you're a boy. And if yeah. you're starting to get more attention because of that and everybody, when they're 12 and 13 goes through an identity crisis, that's part of being 12 and 13. Right. So like you have these, this already kind of captive impressionable group, impressionable group of people. And then you're saying, well, actually, you might be a boy. And then they're like, maybe I am. And then you mm. treat them a little bit more special because of it. And then they feel like, you know, pansexual is another word that gets thrown around all the time. Um, so I think like, yeah. And actually like you, Matt, um, thanks for saying that. I, I wrote a book um, in 2018 and I'm, I'm kind of in a weird place in Fairfax County because I wrote a book in 2018 which was published in August, 2019 has a 2020 publication date. Cause that's how the educational market works. Um, it's called, I've written a lot of books for the educational market, but this one in particular is getting a ton of attention, coping with gender fluidity. And basically I kind of go through, you know, the theory of gender and how this kind of stuff has happened. And I, I was, I was really influenced because I grew up in a, a small town in rural Michigan and, um, and the people who were outside of gender norms in my town were just bullied incessantly. Um, to one woman who was, a, well, she was like 18 at the time. She was a lesbian and her girlfriend was in the front seat of the car with her and she ran her car head on into a semi. So I have a lot of sympathy for people who live outside of gender norms. I think it was a direct result of depression from being bullied in a community, which wasn't, you know, 
wasn't cool with that. Like in, in small town, Michigan, back when I grew up, it wasn't something that, that people did. And if they did, they were, they were made fun of a lot for it. So sure. in, in 2018, a publisher approached me. I'm a writer um, by training. Um, I've been doing it for a long time, but so a publisher approached me and said, I have this title. Will you write this book? And I, I, you know, I studied some gender stuff when I was in college and, you know, what I, I worked at, um, Amnesty International with a women's officer. I interned with her for a while. So I've done, I, you know, I've done a variety of things and uh, you can't really put me in a box, but, um, so anyways, I wrote this book and I basically coping with gender fluidity. It's basically like, I, I felt really compassionate for the community. I knew of a trans kid who, um, grew up in the, in the town that I was from. I felt just an enormous amount of kind of sympathy for what they were going through. I wrote this book before like the model trans policies and all the crazy stuff with the assaults in the bathrooms at the schools because of what they were doing. And the, the um, now even across the country, there's like things with the litter boxes for the furries. Like this is, this book was written before, before all it got this nuts. stuff. Mm. Yes. Thank you. So anyways, I, in here in Fairfax County, I'm, I'm taking a lot of heat from the fringes on the far right and the far left where they're both, you know, they're both being like, you're a traitor. And I'm, I've been like libertarian small L my whole life where it's kind of like, you know, be who you are. I don't have right. problems with you. I'm not going to try to dictate your life. I, I want to have a small government with limited power and freedom, um, and, and have, um, sympathy for people. So basically like compassion without compulsion. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyways, I wrote this book and now I'm also on, on the, on the front lines of the parents' rights movements in the schools where I'm like, you can't, you can't do this to our kids. You can't suspend them because they're not using the right pronoun. That's a violation of the first amendment. Like that's yes. compelled speech. Yes. So, um, and some people have religious qualms with it. So I, I, both of those things can coexist. You can have compassion for a group of people, um, and, and also be against the compulsion of all of the ridiculousness that they're trying to do to indoctrinate our children in schools. So 100%. Anyways, what, I'm what at the crosshairs of this. Well, I'm, I'm right there with you. Cause what you're talking about is, is Liberty. And that's yes. something we, that's something the left used to embrace. Um, they no longer do for whatever reason. I think they've all been freaking brainwashed. Um, but you're talking about Liberty. Like if, if you want to get, a sex change, you you do you you do yeah. you. I'm gonna be me over here, right? And <laughs> and I I'll, I might call you she if you look like a she and I can remember it. But I'm not gonna memorize pronouns for 300 people if everybody has their own pronoun. I can't. And you're even making remember. a sport out of changing it every day because you want yes. attention. Yeah. Yes. And that yeah. and and don't kid yourselves. That is that is happening. Kids yeah. are doing that. They're changing their pronouns couple times a year for attention it's happening i see it here so it's yeah. not you, know, you see on the media on the left media they they talk about this like oh that's just uh paranoia whatever no it's happening it is happening. if you have children in middle school you see it happening yeah. there's a and look i can't imagine what it must be like to be a 12 year old kid about to go through puberty and you feel like you're trapped inside the wrong body I, I, every kid going through puberty feels like that a little bit now imagine feeling like you feel like you, your gender is wrong. I don't know if that's body dysmorphia. I don't know if it's possible to have the brain of one gender and the genitals of another. I don't, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a Tony, psychologist. Yeah. I'm not Mr. Science, Tony Fauci. I don't know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, I know that person deserves compassion and, and we should try to help that person. We are not helping that person by pushing them all in one direction 
or telling them suggesting that, they should medicalize their confusion. Yes, or yes, and 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 we should give you uh, pills that will stop you from having puberty because ninety percent of these kids cancer might cause cancer. And 90% of these kids, when left alone, they eventually figure it out and they might end up being gay or, or butch girls or, or whatever, but you, you give them those chemicals, you've now screwed them up for life. If they're not going to go through the transition, well, you got, you got boys running around with tiny little micro penises. You know, it's less fun than being uh, confused about your gender is having a tiny little pecker as a grown man. That's not fun, right? That I'm not speaking from I can only imagine. <laughs> right. Um, so we're not being in an attempt to be compassionate. We are not being compassionate. We are, and we I are would, hurting these kids. I agree. And and the other thing I would say, Matt, is I, I feel like the left used to believe in liberty or they used to claim that they did. And the right used to really claim that they cared about the far right and the far left. I'm talking about far right used to really claim that they cared about compassion. And, um, and I, I think we need we need both. We need liberty and compassion, and those things need to return to we have neither to all right of now. us. Yes, yeah, and I think in the middle we do. There's plenty of us in the middle. I find I I'm in particular getting attacked by the fringes from the far right and the far left. So whatever. Yeah, <laughs> well, still, I'm still gonna you know be me and do as I do. <laughs> well, I I I'm grateful to you. I'm grateful for your kids for being brave and taking on a fight that they believe in. I'm I'm grateful to you for supporting them and for taking on the fight you're taking on. Um, people are afraid. I think most people do not like what's going on in the schools, but most people are cowards. Yes. We need, we need people like you who are, who are not cowardly, who are willing to stand up for people who, are, you know, not everyone's capable of, of taking the fight to the man. Um, but everyone is capable of at least showing some love and support to those who will take that fight to the man. So I hope you say you're, you're taking a lot of heat from the left and the right. That's normal. That's going to happen. But I hope you're also getting some love. Hope some people are expressing some love to you for the, the battle you're taking. Thanks, Matt. And I appreciate that. And I've really, it's in a state of conflict. You always find who your friends are. And the, the women at sure. the independent women's network have just been amazing to me. I mean, in terms of like when we were going through the mask stuff, um, and, and that's really how I met them was in the throes of all of this. Um, so anyways, like they've been, it's just such a supportive network. Like you really do find your people when you're going through adversity. So 100% man, like I, I learned that so much at the beginning of, of COVID when we started, when I started speaking against the, the narrative, like, wow, like you really find out quickly about your friends when you do or say something controversial and then that person turns their back on you or that person is in your corner. And, and it, yeah. it seemed to me to be about 50, 50, which was very surprising to me. Cause I thought I had a stronger network than that. Yeah. Or they just get really quiet and like lay low just to see what happens, you know, but then, but then you find the, you find the people who are really in your corner and you just treasure them even more. So absolutely. that's been what, the great thing that's come out of all of this, I think. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, what about, um, it's just to shift away from, from the schools, but some other things going on in our communities that do affect our children. Um, living here in California in Los Angeles, and I, I worked for 20 years as a uh, home health physical therapist in underprivileged communities. So I deal a lot with um, you know illegals. Um, the border situation is become untenable. It's become a, a disaster. 
And I don't understand why anybody thinks this is good for anyone. Like there's things happening at the border that are horrifying for children. Children are being murdered. They're the being fentanyl is coming in in droves. I mean, they're just pumping in the fentanyl. Yes. Fentanyl, I believe is the number one cause of death last year, even over COVID. If I'm not, I might be mistaken on that, but it's, it it's was up probably there. close. It's up. It's definitely up there. Right. And you hear nothing about it. It's an, it's an epidemic. It's an, yes. it's an app. It's an absolute epidemic kids. You know, when, when I was in high school, college experimenting a little bit with drugs was kind of a rite of passage of being a teenager. Now you might die because there might be fentanyl in whatever you think you're getting. Right. Yeah. It's, it's mortifying. And you're right. I think some people who think it's okay, I feel like they don't understand actually what's going on. I don't, I don't know how a reasonable person could just think it's okay to have massive waves of illegal people of all different kinds of backgrounds coming over the, over the border. And it's not just like, oh yeah, economic immigrants who are trying to get, you know, the right to work or something. I mean, it's just people, criminals coming over just in droves. And I, I thought it was really funny that uh, Governor Abbott decided to put them in buses and send them to Washington, D.C. and New York City. Uh, that was, I think, one of my favorite things that he's done. And, and, there, and he's being criticized, like, oh, he didn't have a plan for them. Well, hey, people in New York City and Washington, D.C., lawmakers or people with power, maybe you guys should see what it's like when you have even just a small fraction of what Texas and other border states are going through. And, um, and I, I think that was a great decision on his part, just to give, give them a taste of what it's like. Oh, absolutely. And they, they reacted hysterically. Yes. Um, well, that's another one, right? If you want a, a safe border, look, uh, personally, I'm, I'm for open borders, but I'm for open borders combined with ending the welfare state, ending free education, like ending all of that. You can't, you can't give all these freebies out and then tell people come across the border for all these freebies. Yes, of course, everybody's going to come. It's, it's a no brainer. So until you end the welfare state and, end free education and all that stuff, you have to have a protected border, but anyone who wants a protected border, they, the, the move is the same with the schools. They're going to call you a racist or a bigot. But the fact of the matter is there's plenty of Latinos here in Los Angeles and down in San Diego at the border who very much want a strong, safe border. Protected border, right. Well, I saw interviews in, I, I can't remember which community in Texas it was, but they had interviewed, it was, um, I think it might be majority population Latino in that, in that community in Texas. And they were, they were interviewing multiple people from that community who were saying, um, these people are just showing up on my lawn. They're using my electrical outlets on my porch um, to charge their phones and stuff. When they come over here, they're just kind of camping out on our property. And, and they were fervently against it. They were like, this is, this is my property. It's, it's not, it's not racial. Like this is, this is crazy. Yeah. So yeah, we're starting to learn that your property is not necessarily your property. And who is it that 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 I don't want to get into conspiracy theory, but that World Economic Forum guy saying, uh, "What is his name?" That he's a, he's a real creep. Can't think of it right now. But Klaus Schwab, um, he he says, you know, you will in another decade, you will own nothing and you will like it. And he's saying this in a in a in a positive way. Um, and you know, you you see that with the way they treat property owners now. Um, you have you you have no rights. You almost don't own the property. You got to pay ridiculous taxes on it till the day you died. Like we will never buy a house here in Los Angeles simply because the amount of property tax we would pay on it at this point 
would be close to what we pay in rent. What would in be rent, the point? On top of what you're paying for your house. Yeah. Yes. Um, now, okay. So more on the kids and the border. We all agree slavery is a terrible thing. I don't think there's anybody that would debate That's that. Right. Yeah, I don't, um, I've never met anybody who would have disagree <laughs> with that statement. <laughs> right. I don't, I don't think right. so. And we talk about American slavery and our history as being the biggest black guy the world has ever seen, even though it's been all over the world. And even though there's still slavery right now and there's still slavery in America right now, and it's happening as a result of that border situation, there are sex slaves being imported into America daily. Right. Well, it's it's really interesting. Um, it's not just something that's happening across the border, although I, I am aware that that's the case. But in in schools, there's an issue with it too because um, I I'm not one for I I'm not the the banning books thing. Like I you know there are some books that have literary value um, that have been banned in the future in the past, like Catcher in the Rye or The Color sure. Purple or books like that. Um, so it's not it's not really my huge thing, but then I started reading some of the books that they're actually bringing into the library. Um, I think it was called Seeing Gender is the one I'm thinking of. And so Fairfax County basically said they passed some kind of resolution last year saying human trafficking is a problem, even out of our schools, because like basically their predators are finding kids online and there are all these like kind of illicit massage parlors in the in the county. There's an issue um, and it involves children in the county and human trafficking um, just kind of domestically. Um, and then they have this. Wait, 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 have, wait. Are you, are you saying that kids are being snatched up from schools like American kids? Well, not exactly kidnapped in a traditional way, but I know there's there's one example from a few years ago in Fairfax County where there's a, a man who was, he's in prison now. He was associated with some gang and he would um, basically hit up, you know, pretty suburban girls or suburban girls generally on Facebook and say, you're pretty, do you want a model? And the girls would say, oh yeah, that's, you know, that's how you, of course. you know, of course girls are, uh, you know, want to want to be considered appealing. So um, then he, he had a location where he would have them meet him at like the, the subway stop. They would meet him there. He would bring them into his car and inject them with heroin oh um, in their legs right away. Keep them for two weeks. Oh my goodness. And sell them. These are teenage girls basically sell them for like 25 bucks. I read, I read, I think it was in like time or something. It was a while ago, S- uh, 25 bucks a pop pretty much for two weeks constantly. And then he would return them to their families and say, if you tell anybody about this, I will kill your whole family. Wow. So that's the kind of stuff, like that's one example that I that I know of for sure. And he's serving time in prison for this. So that kind of thing. So then you have these books. Okay, like- let's 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 pump the brakes here. Um, that's <laughs> horrifying. Um, stuff like that has always happened, will always happen because there's creepy men out there. But right. what does this have to do with books in school? Okay. So um that well, that's that's one example, but then you so there's a book called Seeing Gender, and there's a I wish I I wish I had it in front of me, but there's one particular passage where um the person is articulating, and it's it's a lot about like the transgender fluidity, get comfortable with your sexuality, here's how you can experiment with it type book, which yeah. we have in some middle schools here. Um, and it says sex work is a reasonable profession, like being an architect. And that you can you can make a lot of money doing it. You can you know you, so it's like don't don't think of it in a bad way. So why would you why why would you tell middle schoolers 
that that's the case. And why would you have a book in the library that says that? When there are risk factors involved of, you know, like it yeah. could be that like somebody reaches out to them. And I mean, in this case, they were more like getting kidnapped, but like um, with the, with the guy, you know, injecting them with heroin, but like I, it, the opportunity is out there for children who apparent, you know, who are manipulated into believing that sex work is a legitimate thing, a legitimate profession. Um, and, and I don't think that we should have books and libraries that encourage it. I mean, I'm not, you know, (laughs) okay on that. So that's an interesting topic you bring up and and let's talk about that for a minute. Um, like you, I'm also a writer. At least I used to be everybody go to Amazon by daddy versus the suck monster. Shameless self plug. (laughs) Anyway, I'm a hundred percent. I'm against censorship. I'm against it. Like it's bad. I don't, I, I think even if you want to censor things like, it's just it's just a, a red line you can't cross because once you start censoring, you're giving the power to somebody else to make that decision, and then that's going to eventually go in the wrong direction, right? So like I agree the Patriot Act. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, sex work, I I believe sex work should be legal. However, um, there's a big difference between legalizing sex work and letting and and uh, promoting children that to children. Yeah. Right. Thank you. Yeah. Gigantic difference in that. Um, And if a dad or a mom wants to talk to their daughter about sex work and what that is and every, the positives and negatives, that's up to that parent to discuss. This has nothing to do with educating children about math and science, like get it out of the school. Also we pornography is as far as I understand, even though any 11 year old can go on the internet and see whatever he wants, pornography is still illegal for kids. You can't go into, I don't even know if they make Playboy anymore, but I'm assuming they do. You can't go into the 7-Eleven as a junior high kid and buy a Playboy. It's not allowed. Well, if you can't do that, then why do we have pornographic books in schools? Like we really do. Yes. They they're like comic strips, like detailing certain things. I don't know if you've seen some of these books. Yes, it's I have. not an exaggeration. I I'm I'm not big on censorship either. Like it burns my libertarian heart, censorship does. But when you're talking about some of the things they're putting in schools for children to see, you're like, and I'm not a prude either, but I'm like, why would they need to know that? I mean, there's some there's certain things like yes. the, inc- yeah, encouraging anal play or something, and you're like, they're twelve. They you know they probably don't need to think about that or read about it from their public school library. Yes. Well, if look, well, look, there's censorship is a tricky word because if uh, like a, a movie that's rated R, um, a kid can't go see that without a parent. That that is censorship. You're censoring the kid from seeing that, but it's a law that we have to protect the children, right? right? So if we're saying that porno- pornographic images are bad for children, um, that's a law. So you do need to censor the kids from that pornographic image, or else right. uh, what are we doing? Like the, the, there can't be two separate standards depending on this is pornography we approve of, right? Yeah. So yes, that absolutely. So I don't. Con- it, that is technically censorship, but I don't consider that censorship because we've agreed as society that we want to protect children, protect children. from pornography from yes. child predation right yes. okay yeah so i think we're on the same page there um what's um the you, you, this group you're part of the women's this is an interesting one to ask because you know it's a woman's group um men can be this, part of it some i mean sometimes men show up Okay, but what I what I want to ask you about is the abortion issue. You know, it's 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 a trick. I don't want to ask you about your opinion on abortion, um, but on the Supreme Court decision, 
How do you feel about that decision? How does your group feel about it? So the Independent Women's Network, um, strategically, because it is an independent organization, they stay away from talking about issues having to do with abortion and gun control, because those are the two issues that divide women the most. Yeah. So we try to focus on um, if, yeah, if you look at the data on like uh, people's op- opinions on those, it's like women are just completely polarized on that. So um, we try to stay away from both of those two issues on purpose because we're trying to find in a Venn, da- Venn diagram where we can agree. And there are a lot of things that we do agree on. So I'd rather that's not smart. comment on that. Okay. That's fine. And, and, and that's smart. Like we need to start rallying around the things that we do agree on rather yeah. than just picking each other apart for the things that, that we don't necessarily agree on. So I will let that go. Um, what do you think? Here's one, here's one that, that burns my ass. Uh, getting back to Loudoun County, your County, there was a Fairfax. That's our dysfunctional twin. We're, uh, we're dysfunctional twins. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, there was a situation a year ago, maybe two years where a trans child molested a little girl in a bathroom because of these stupid bathroom rules. Um, this was reported. The school board basically covered it up and moved the kid to a, another district, another something like that, where he or she, I don't know did which way he transitioned, did it again. The parent of the daughter went to the school board meeting. Got arrested. To, yes. Got a, got arrested. And then to make it even more preposterous, John Brennan, who was former director of the CIA, goes on CNN and references this guy as a terrorist and parents who are going to these school board meetings as terrorists. Um, You're a parent. You're you're making a stink in your school about masks. Uh, How do you feel about the director of the CIA calling parents terrorists? I think it's egregious. And like I was saying, my problem with the Patriot Act, I knew when the Patriot Act passed back in the early 2000s that it was going to be a problem. And they used that Patriot Act against parents. They were actually using that to spy on parents. That was the groundwork that they used. I knew it was going to be a bad idea then, and I was proven right. It's absolutely horrible. Um, at the at the local level in Fairfax County, they have a contract for two, it's two hundred thousand dollars. Which, given they they have a four billion dollar budget, it's it's insane um, how big this county is and how much money they have and um, how much waste there is. Um, but they have they have a two hundred thousand dollar contract to use um, basically the dark web to spy on problematic parents. I've written an article about this. So. It's not just the uh, the federal government, even at the local level. I'm like, what kind of local school board level needs intel collecting on problematic parents? And um, and for a while, I ended up getting off social media because I was like, well, I'm sure I'm at the top of their list. I've been making a big stink. I organized parents rallies. I've spoken in front of the school board. Um, so anyway, I mean, I, I don't really have anything to hide, but the idea that... Um, these creeps are spying on me really, really irritates me. And I started kind of considering my web presence because of it. But I, I think this is happening at all levels. Um, so yes, I, I think it's all crazy. It is and I'm, I'm rereading 1984 right now, actually, because I read it when I was younger and I'm reading it now. And it's like a, it's just tragic. I mean, it's a how-to manual. About, it's a how, yes. 1984 is a how-to manual for what we're living through right now. That's what it feels like. 
And when you watch documentaries on the founding, like the real ones, I mean, just like we had this kind of hopeful thing happening where you know, the American ex- experiment where we, you know, we have we have rights and, and the Bill of Rights and we can practice the religion that we want to practice and we can we have freedoms from our government and the things that are important. And now if you kind of if you you honor those things or you call yourself a patriot, people want to criticize you like you're a right winger, you're a patriot. Mm -hmm. Isn't it interesting how the word patriot has become, basically, if you call yourself a patriot, you're saying you're a racist. They're synonymous terms. I mean, it's crazy. I, yeah, I found this sticker that said I identify as a patriot and my, my husband's a veteran. My brother's a veteran. My father's a veteran. Both my grandfathers are veterans. And um, yes, I identify as a patriot and Mm. all that it makes me, I don't care. Like, well, it makes you on all their watch lists. That's what, (laughs) that's what it makes you. Well, they they actually said they were putting libertarians on their watch lists too. I heard, I heard that. I was like, yeah, they got, better not love freedom. Don't love freedom. They got put under the umbrella of terrorism, libertarians, people who believe in freedom. Isn't that an interesting twist? Well, yeah, you talk about the founding of the country. um, And yeah, this is not what the founders had in mind. We were a very long way away from that. But government, the way in which government functions is it takes money, it steals money from people to to make itself function. So just just like any business, any corporation, that corporation needs to grow every single year to stay successful, to give dividends. Government needs to grow and grow and grow. Um, It's just the natural evolution of it. Every government world history has attempted to do that. So this is... This is the natural conclusion of when they set up government, the direction it was it was always going to go. It's just you you can't stop the nature of government. So it's up to the people to fight back and break it back down to what it was designed to be um, in the first place. Yes, but they're making it very hard to fight when you find out they're spending more money to spy on parents in America than protect our borders. Like that's where the money is going. The money, the money in these intelligence agencies is going to, to spy on parents and spy on people who have Patriot in their Twitter bio and libertarians. It's not, they're not concerned at all about the border. And that creates a dangerous situation where your government is now your enemy. Yeah. And they're using all their resources and coming after you if you if you disagree with them. I mean, that seems to be consistent across the board. That's what's happening. They spent um, in Fairfax County, they spent four million dollars last year on covid watchdogs. Now, I'm not sure exactly who these employees are. I just what does that mean? Covid watchdog. They just basically went around to the schools to inspect, to make sure that everybody was following protocol properly. So the teachers were terrified when the kids would like pull down their masks. And I didn't realize this kind of watchdog organization that they had initially, but it's because the COVID COVID people could like come and see in this classroom, a couple of the kids had their masks under their noses. And, and the teachers are were the frontline people feeling under pressure. If somebody looked into their window and saw that a couple of the kids had their masks down or whatever, the, the teacher could get in trouble for it. So that was $4 million last year spent on that. I mean, unreal. Yeah, that's the kind well, of, that's what's happening in our school board. Here's how this kind of stuff happens, right? So they take your tax dollars, they create this department of COVID watchdogs. Those people go out into the community, into the schools and spy on children. They have to produce results to justify their job, right? It's like 
it's like a cop who needs to give out speeding tickets. They have to produce results to justify their job. And what do they want? They want a bigger job. They want to do great. They want to bust as many bad little boys who let their mask come down under their nose as they can because they want to get a promotion, right? Then you have the teachers who need to protect their job. So they're so at some point in society, people people need to take personal ethical responsibility for the decisions they are making. And I don't want to compare it to uh, Germany or the Nuremberg trials because we're very, you know, it's very far from that, but it's the same mentality. Well, this is my job. It's my job to write up little kids who have their masks come down under their nose. And I'm just doing my job. I'm just following orders. Well, that is a dangerous mentality to just follow orders question. What, what are your orders? Are your orders ethical? You it's your job to be civilly disobedient as a Patriot, I think. And that was, that was part of what the boys and I talked about when they were going to school without their masks on is like, yes, everybody else is, you know, without their masks on, but like when tyranny becomes law, rebellion becomes duty like you. And that's at any level at the student level, at the citizen level, at the people who are enforcing it level, like Everybody has to do that or we're kind of doomed. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I'm, I'm glad you're teaching your kids those messages. And I hope your kids are leaders in the community and they're, they're passing those messages on to their friends. Um, all right. So we're, we're, we're coming up on time. Um, I, I want to I thank you for what you're doing out there in the community. Thank you for coming on the show. Where can people, if there's other moms out there who are interested, want to get involved in this group, how can they do so? How can they get your books? Uh, where can they go on Twitter? All that stuff. Uh, so if you Google my name, you'll just see a lot of things. My books come up. Um, I, I need to create a website. Um, I'm actually running for school board. So that's all in November, 2023. So that's coming up soon. But the um, the women's network is um, iwnetwork.com. Org, I believe if you Google um, independent women's network, you it'll, it'll come up. I think it's IWN. Um, I should okay. know this. That's all right. Independent women's network. Google that guys. And it's fantastic. Everybody should have a chapter. It's, it's an amazing group. Awesome. Okay. And you just froze. So that <sighs> must be the powers at Google stating that, that they've heard enough. <laughs> Yeah, you're back. Too much freedom. <laughs> it was too much freedom. They yeah. got uncomfortable. Right. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you for coming on. I'd like to circle back with you in a year and see where you're at in your fight. I hope you and your kids win this one. Thanks so much, Matt. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Stephanie.